enjoying the, 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 the Christmas season. And uh, I told somebody when I walked in this morning who turned on the winter weather switch. Um, I married a Minnesota girl. And she loves this white stuff. And she loves live Christmas trees. And uh, although I must say that as, as we mature, we're maybe a little less enthusiastic about the real Christmas tree. And we've actually, the words, the words fake Christmas tree have actually entered the conversation of our house. Now, I, I got to tell you, I never thought I'd see it. I never, ever thought I'd see it. Well, folks, I want to share with you a message this morning that, in a way, I'd, I'd rather not share. In a way, I'd rather sit this topic to the side and, and not have to kind of deal with it. And yet, I think it's important for us to have some perspective on this subject as we move through the holidays. This morning I'd like to share a message titled, Forgotten Hope. Forgotten Hope. I'd like to turn to our text in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. And um, I was at a church uh, a couple of years back and I heard a pastor uh, make this make this statement and then have the folks rise. He said, let's rise in respect for the reading of the Word of God. Will you stand with me as we read the Word of God this morning? Verse 13 of Matthew 2 says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the prophet had said through the, through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and all its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they were no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph while they were still in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warmed in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, 
So it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Pray with me, Father, this is your word. Teach us by your spirit. Move in our hearts today by what you have to say with us through your word. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. I'd like to share today on the subject of forgotten hope or lost hope. We live in a world today that finds many people with high levels of anxiety and despair and might I say hopelessness. The events of the last few years have taken the wind out of a lot of sails. We have worried about things we never thought we'd have to worry about. And in turn, the impact of the church in our world is more needed than ever, and I fear less effective and less impactful than the church should be. People are without hope, and they are without a moral compass. Wrong is right and down is up. Our leaders seem powerless without uh, without steady direction, our, our families are shattered and our churches and many of our pastors are frustrated and discouraged. This time of the year you add the holidays to the mix and the stress levels go high, sky high. We all have heard that stress and worry and anxiety and depression rise to a higher level over the holidays. I recently came across a study by the National Alliance on Mental Health. I want to share a portion of this article with you this morning. High expectations, loneliness, and stress can lead to, next slide please, the holiday blues. During the season from Thanksgiving to New Year's, in most cases, symptoms are temporary, but they can be serious if they last more than a couple of weeks, leading to clinical anxiety or clinical depression. According to a recent survey, the National Alliance on Mental Health reports that approximately 24% of people with a diagnosed mental illness find that the holidays make their condition worse. A lot worse. 40% say somewhat worse. Approximately 300 individuals participated with, with about 300 answering these specific questions. For many people, the holiday season is not always the most wonderful time of the year. By the way, my favorite Christmas song sung by the iconic Andy Williams. This is a quote from NAM Medical Director Ken Duckworth. What the survey shows is that a tremendous, is a tremendous need for people to reach out and watch out for each other in keeping with the spirit of the season. The holiday season beams a spotlight on everything that is difficult about living with depression, said a Massachusetts woman who responded to the survey. The pressure to be joyful and social is tenfold. Approximately 75% of the respondents to the survey reported that the holidays contribute to feeling sad or dissatisfied. 68% feel financially strained. 66% have experienced a sense of loneliness. 
63% say there's too much pressure, and 57% say there are unrealistic expectations over the holidays. 55% of people found themselves remembering happier times in the past in contrast with the present. 50% said they were unable to be with loved ones. So at this time of year, lost hope, forgotten hope, is more common, might I say, than the rest of the year. I said I wanted to avoid this message. One of the examples in the Bible of a person who had forgotten or lost their hope was Elijah in 1 Kings 19. At the hand of God, Elijah had won a great victory over the prophets of the idol Baal. King Ahab reported to Jezebel all that had happened, and so Elijah ended up in great danger. Elijah fled to the wilderness and eventually found himself exhausted, sitting under a broom tree, and here's what Elijah said to God. And he prayed that he might die, Elijah 19.4, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my fathers before me. Elijah, the prophet, the powerful man of God. Brother Dude had lost hope. At that place, at that point of total hopelessness, God met Elijah. He was fed by an angel and then had a life-changing encounter with God. Friend, it doesn't matter how bad your situation has become or how bad you think it has become. God is with you anywhere and everywhere. And he knows you and he desires to meet your deepest need. The people of Israel in the days of Herod the king the period of time of the advent of Christ were a people that had every reason to lose hope. For years and years they had lived under the tyranny of Roman rule. All aspects of their lives were affected. Depending on who the Roman king of the age was or of a particular time, there was cruelty and there was persecution everywhere. We know that there were those who clung to the teachings of the Jewish scriptures to find their hope, and yet there had not been a fresh word from a prophet of Adonai for 400 years. We don't have very much of a glimpse into statistics of anxiety and depression back in that day. But I have to believe that considering the circumstances of the day in which they lived, there was a high percentage. There was much anxiety. There was lots of stress. There was pain. There was poverty. There was death under the hand of the cruel Romans. I'd like to unpack this Matthew's scripture this morning that we read. 
If you would follow along with me as we study the Word of God. Firstly, when trouble rises, find a safe place. It's okay. Can I say that again? When trouble rises, find a safe place. It's okay. So we find that the young family, Joseph, Mary, and their baby, they were standing right here a few moments ago. By the way, the kids did a, that was was great. Joseph and Mary and their baby Jesus were forced to leave their homeland to find safety from the reach of King Herod. The, The king realized that the Magi had deceived him and fled the country after finding the child instead of reporting it to him as he had requested. Verse 19 tells us, Matthew 2.19, that the Lord warned Joseph in a dream to flee to Egypt. After their long and difficult trip, after spending nights in a stable, after the star and the shepherds and the wise men, Joseph had to get up and pack up and leave during the night to head on another journey to a foreign land. We, we talked last week about the fact that the, that the journey to, to Bethlehem for, for Mary and Joseph was, was not your contemporary road trip. There was not a minivan with a cooler in it. Traveling in the day was not pleasant, was not easy was difficult and smelly and camels are stubborn from what I understand and mules God instructed Joseph to take Mary and Jesus to a safe place sometimes it's wisdom to find a safe place it's okay Psalm 18 2 says The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Can I please read that scripture again? Psalm 18, 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. Refuge is a safe place. Find a safe place in your God, my friend. If if you've never learned to do that, find a brother or sister who has. God wants you to find a safe place and it is refuge in Him. Find someone that you know that has learned to find that safe place when they need it. Secondly, listen to God's voice. Listen to God's voice. 
following and obeying the voice of God was a characteristic of both Joseph and Mary, wasn't it? I, I want to suggest to us that following the voice of God, following the call of God in our lives, should be more important than our immediate comfort. The, the call and the instruction of God into our lives should supersede our plans. The, the instruction of God in our lives is for our good because God knows what is best for our future. Through the obedience of Joseph to what God had told him, listen to this, the life of the young child was saved. Can I say that again? Through the obedience of the man Joseph, in, in hearing the voice of God through the angel, and, and responding in obedience, you can make a pretty good case by the evidence here in Matthew 2 that it saved the life of the baby Jesus. His obedience... You see, in a murderous tirade, King Herod had all the male babies in Israel killed. Think of the lost hope that was brought upon Israel in that moment. I've heard people say that there is no pain like the pain of losing a child. We have a dear friend who tomorrow is the two-year anniversary of their beautiful 20s-age son murdered mercilessly for no reason. I will be mentioning her a little bit later in the, in the sermon. She is a licensed Christian counselor. In verse 18, we read the words of the prophet. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It was devastating. It was an awful, sorrowful time. Yet, God was up to something. He, he was moving. He, he was working. He was speaking. He was setting the stage for the entrance of the ultimate hope. His only begotten son. Who would, who would save his people from their sins. God's instruction to Joseph and his obedience is the key here. The child of the manger was now safe. Listen for God's voice. The ramifications of Joseph listening and obeying God's voice were massive. The ramifications of you listening to God's voice and responding in obedience 
is massive. It's massive. Pastor, I'm going to go down a little rabbit trail. Sitting in the notes. I believe that one of the weaknesses of the church, the body of Christ, is the inability to hear the voice of God. Do you remember when, uh, when the prophet was brought up to the mountain and the, uh, and the heavy wind went by and... No, God's not in the heavy wind. The fire happened and God wasn't in the fire. The earthquake happened and the, and the earth shook. And the prophet wasn't moved. God was not speaking through that. But then, well, what? But then a still small voice. And bang, off he went. Not only do I believe that one of the great weaknesses of the church is the inability to hear the voice of God, but I believe that one of the most important things for you to do in your discipleship and in your Christian walk is to position yourself to absolutely be able to hear what God wants to say to you. We waste our time on all these other things when we should be focused on God, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me this week? What are you saying to me this month and this year? What are you saying to me in this life? So if we position ourselves properly to be able to hear, then phase two comes into place. And that is the yes or no factor. Some of us put one in between, the maybe factor. Yes, maybe or no. I hope that we've not had the experience of seeing the ramifications of no. I, I hope you're not hanging out experiencing the ramifications of maybe. I hope you've seen and continue to see the blessing of God when you've heard and you've said what? Yes. You've said yes. I don't know about this padding, brother. I told him last week, this is the softest place on the platform, this padding. I assume that was something that you planned. Okay, that's good. Listen for God's voice. Thirdly, Problems will pass. Problems will pass. Now, we're turning a corner here. Somebody needs to say amen. Problems will pass. Look at, look at verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Problems will pass. The time in the safe place has its value. So before we move forward to the problem will pass, 
I want to talk to you for just a moment about that time in the safe place. The, the, the time in the safe place has value. The time in the safe place builds something up in you. The, the, the time in, in Egypt in the safe place is designed for you to grow and build and heal and learn. The time in the safe place is valuable time. The time in the safe place will bring patience. The time in the safe place will bring healing. The time in the safe place will eventually bring joy. Listen to Psalm 30. <laughs> I love this. Weeping may stay for the night, but joy, but joy comes in the morning. Situations are temporary, but God is eternal. Can I say that again? Situations, circumstances are temporary, but God is eternal. He will bring to pass the solution, the answer. He will bring joy out of the safe place. Some of the greatest stories I have ever heard are stories of God working in the midst of tragedy. Unspeakable, unfathomable tragedy. And yet you see the hand of God working in lives. And you see his kingdom move forward. Fourthly, re-enter. Re-enter. The safe place is not permanent. Hang with me here. God is always there. God is always our refuge. But this separation to the safe place, God designs to grow us and change us and mature us. And then at a point, it's time. When, when the trouble had passed, God spoke to Joseph again. It was time to return. Time to get back in the game. Note that Joseph questioned God's instructions here. I want you to notice this. Joseph questions God's instruction here. Because he had learned that the king, Herod's son, was now on the throne. And he went, whoa, just a second. His dad's the one that killed all the babies, and now you're wanting me to go back, and now his son's on the throne? Hold on just a second here. It's a little like when the angel spoke to Joseph, and he said, you're about to be a dad, and marries the mom. You remember? And Joseph goes, whoa, hold on just a second here. He, he, he questioned what God had said. He said yes, but he questioned what God has said. Folks, that's all right. 
Because I think God wants to bring clarity to the calls on our lives. I think he wants to bring I think he wants to bring specific direction to you and it's okay for you to check out the GPS for a moment. It's okay for you to go, wow, what is God doing here? Am I hearing him? Am I hearing him clearly? Am I discerning what is being said? Part of that process that I mentioned a little bit earlier of positioning ourselves to hear God's voice is positioning ourselves to understand what he's saying. And that comes from hearing, maybe a little questioning, maybe going back, let's revisit this again. Let me make sure I heard what I, what I heard. That's okay. That's okay. Joseph said, Hold on a second. God directed him at that point to Nazareth, to the town that the prophet had foretold. God was working. God was moving. God was speaking. There in Nazareth, Joseph and Mary would raise their boy Jesus. We turn the page of Scripture and then the next thing we see is John the Baptist proclaiming, make way the, the way of the Lord. And, and we see the baptism of Jesus. It's in the very next chapter in, in chapter 3, brother dude. Although it is good and healthy to take refuge, sometimes it's not healthy to try to live there too long. My friend Teresa, that I mentioned earlier, is a wonderful Christian counselor with compassion and with wisdom. Teresa and I have talked about issues like anxiety and depression. There's no question that anxiety issues rise to a new level at this time of the year. The pressures can be overwhelming for some. As believers, we have guidance in the scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Remember what Jesus called the Holy Spirit? Called him the Comforter. Said, I will send a Comforter. Say Comforter. Don't it just feel good? Say that one more. Comforter. And, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside us when we need them. So the safe place is not permanent. We need to re-enter. I think that re-entering, moving back into the fray, maybe you stepped away from being involved for a while. At a point, it's time. I've said this to a number of people through the last couple of years. One of the things I've learned, one of the real common distinctive works of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our day is to bring people together to meet needs and to build up the kingdom. <laughs> Have you... Have you met anyone that turned out not so much to be a coincidence? That, that later you saw God move through that relationship? <laughs> I have some friends who are encouragers, folks. 
don't know what I'd do without them in my life. Encouragers. They also smack me alongside the head if I need it. You know? And one of the dangers of of the symptoms of anxiety and depression is in pulling away from others. Have you ever noticed that someone that's struggling, Pastor Dude, they decide not to come to church for a while? We've all seen that. Pastors have seen that. We've talked about that. That's the last thing you need to do if you're struggling. Because there's somebody there that's going to come alongside of you. I watched this. I watched this crew a couple of minutes ago. I was up here before the buzzer rang. I watched this crew, and y'all hug each other. You see, pulling away isolates you from from brothers and sisters around you. And I got to tell you, we need each other. We need each other in this day more than we've ever needed each other before. Which raises another issue and another question. I'm all over rabbit trails today, brother. If indeed those people are around you, are you letting them in? Are you, are you allowing people to see a little glimpse of the inner man? And, and not just the joys, but the struggles. I know people that, that, that show up at a church week after week after week and nobody ever really penetrates. And I'm here to say to you that God put the church, the body of Christ together because we need one another. And I can't think of a day and time when we need each other more. I kind of wish I was preaching this sermon in 2020 instead of 2022. Because I'd be preaching with one of those silly things on my face. And nobody could, nobody could see whether I'm smiling or frowning, brother. You see, you see re-entry. Say re-entry. Re-entry is about getting back in the game of being what God called you to do. Can I say it that way? Because you can, you can kind of back away from it for a season. You can kind of hide from it for a little while. And sometimes, I'll even go as far as saying that's okay sometimes for, for a little season. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I'm just going to take a break for a little bit. I just need it. And, and that, that could very well be true. But re-enter. Re-enter. You must re-enter. I think of a basketball player sitting on the sidelines. You know, he's played... He's played the entire first half, and he's run back and forth and up and down the court. And he missed a few shots, and he made a few shots, and the big guy in the center, remember, who, who told me they were elbowing this way? Yeah, yeah. Steve, the big guy in the center's got the elbows going, and he's bruised, and he's battered, and he sits down on the bench, but the coach needs him in the second half. Re-enter. Don't sit on the bench for the rest of the game. You say, Scott, I'm not really very, I'm not really very gifted or talented. I just kind of, I just kind of show up. I got news for you. If you were, if you're a creation of God, you are gifted and talented. You are gifted to do what God calls you to do. Fifth, our world needs the message of hope. Let me suggest 
that as believers, we have the message of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and resurrection to share with the people that need to hear the message. They need the message of hope. As, as we talked about early in this message, hopelessness is so common in our world today. I got another ser sermon next week, guys. Just, just, just. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't resist. I had to do it. We, we talked about it early in the message. Hopelessness is common. Say that. Hopelessness is common. And our world is made up of individual people, many who are hurting. Some of them are looking for that safe place that we talked about. A, a refuge from the storms of life. Someone that you know does not have that refuge, that place of hope, does not have Jesus. I said, someone that you know doesn't have that safe place. My friend Teresa helped me to understand what it looks like when a friend, a family, co-worker is struggling with anxiety and maybe depression. My friend Teresa has much wisdom. She's worked with many people through those, through those uh, conditions and diseases. The primary sign in a person's life is that they just act differently than their norm. You see, you see changes in their personality. You, you see them wanting to hide in the safe place for a long, long period of time. I would challenge you to put on compassion this Christmas. To, to tune up your sensitivity to those around you. Rabbit trail. She sees stuff all the time that I don't notice. We're driving around. She goes, did you see that back here? I didn't turn just, you know. I go into the house. There's a beautiful line of snowmen up on the up, up on the mantle above our fireplace. It's, it's, it's lovely if y'all want to stop by. I made sure that I noticed. I go to the barber and get a haircut. I come home. We have dinner. And I'm going... <laughs> Some, sometimes... When you notice is when you knew I went to see Tom earlier, er, earlier that day. We can, listen, we can walk through life and we can be ambivalent and insensitive and completely unnoticing a person around us that's struggling. My friend Teresa, the wonderful Christian counselor, she says, 
That's very common. And so the longer that goes, that people don't notice, then the deeper that struggle becomes in the struggling person. Put on compassion this season, my friend. Tune up your sensitivity. Who do you know that needs a friend? A listening ear. You don't have to have all the answers. Again, that's wisdom from my friend Teresa. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be there. You have to to be a listening ear. Maybe just sit with someone for a little bit. Friends, Jesus Christ is our ultimate source of hope. Philip Brooks captured the heart of Christmas hope with one line in the wonderful carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. That line summarizes what what Christmas should mean to us. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In the little town of Bethlehem, God met the hopes of all humanity by the birth of his son Jesus. The good news of Christmas is that God brought hope to all people, regardless of their background. The angel's announcement to the shepherds made that clear. Do you remember this? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That is from Luke chapter 2. So no matter your age, no matter your ethnic or religious background, Jesus was born, died, and rose for you to bring you hope. That was pretty good. I'm going to say that again. No matter your age or your ethnic or religious background, no matter your status in life, no matter the size of your bank account, Jesus was born and lived and died and rose for you. To bring you hope. Hope is a powerful force in our lives and Christmas brings hope. Christmas is also for those who have been longing for a Savior. There are many around us who have spent some time in church but have never really had their personal encounter with the Christ child. There are those who had a Jesus encounter in their lives long ago but stepped away from their source of life and hope for whatever reason. There are, there are many who, who really don't know what the commotion is about every year. But, but more than ever, in this day, in this age, people need the Lord. And the good news is, He has come and is here for all mankind. So no matter your status in life, your successes or failures, your hopes and dreams... Jesus has come. 
He came and lived a perfect life. He died a cruel death. And he was raised in victorious power. All so that you and I could have new life in him. He says, Behold, I make all things new. He has come. You can trust him for every need in your life. So when trouble comes, find a safe place. It's okay. Listen to God's voice. Problems will pass. Re-enter. The safe place is not permanent. Our world needs the message of hope. Pray with me. Father, thank you.